On this episode of Voices of Hope podcast, Jen and Anjanette speak with Lexi Wayland, who identifies as bisexual. She shares experiences and insight on how she is able to sit in uncertainty while still choosing to keep her covenants. They also discuss the dynamics between Lexi and her husband, Benj, who identifies as gay. Lexi shares their story and why they decided to get married and remain committed members of the church. All of that and more on today's Voices of Hope podcast. Welcome, welcome again to the wonderful podcast here as host today. My name is Jen Curtis coming to you from sunny California and my co-host. And Jeanette Mickelson coming from West Jordan, Utah. West Jordan is deciding what weather it wants to be right now. (laughs) Uh, Weather. California is that way sometimes too. (laughs) Uh, The wonderful thing we have going on today is we are welcoming our guest here that we have, uh, Lexi Whalen. And I think her cute little cat that I can see, Juniper, is joining us too. Maybe we'll hear, maybe we won't. We don't know. (laughs) Wondering, mind you, have to stay to the end of the podcast to find out. And uh, Lexi, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go into our discussion today. Sounds great. Thanks. Um, Yeah, so my name is Lexi Wayland. Um, I live in Provo. I'm super unique. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I was born into the church. Um, I'm the oldest of three children. Um, I grew up in Highland, Utah, so I moved a full half hour away. So that's pretty Oof. cool. <laughs> um, and I'm married to Benj. He's super cute. And we've been married for about five years. And we have our cat, Juniper. And we're expecting our first child. So, oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yeah, how exciting! We just found out it's a boy. So, oh my gosh, we're really excited. Raise the roof for that one! Congratulations, guys! (laughs) How fun! Thanks. Oh wow! See now, I'm really beaming and smiling. I think that's (laughs) children such a blessing. Um, (laughs) Until they turn twenty, and then sometimes. mm, Sorry, son. (laughs) okay so our conversation today uh with lexi is gonna center around um a bit around your sexuality which Mm -hmm. you would say would you say bisexual yes you would term it bisexual yeah yeah so uh i am not a hundred percent like having talked to a lot of bisexual people, uh, especially women at any of like the North star conferences and places, uh, I'm an SSA woman. And so I'm really just interested in kind of where those similarities are, where those differences are. And I know with Anjanette, uh, having used, um, terms before about being like pseudo lesbian because <laughs> you, you relate to us so well, uh, and yet you're not, uh, you don't uh, deal with that part of your sexuality, deal with that struggle. Um, so I just want to kind of open it up here. What what do you find in in a church kind of community uh, for yourself being bisexual? Do you find it safe? Do you find it not? Like, where is that? Yeah, um, it's a really interesting spot. I I've always, I mean, since coming out as bisexual and, um, when learning was about, that? um, when did you come out? so publicly we came out in October of 2019, I want to say, okay. okay. 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. And, um, since coming out, um, you know, you kind of get to know others within your community and get to know their journeys a little bit. Um, maybe even if they haven't fully shared that with the rest of the world yet and right. it's been really interesting because I really haven't met that many bisexual people within the church community um typically people come out as bisexual um when they've maybe stepped away from the church and that's that's been a really interesting observation for me 
Really? Interesting. Yeah. So Very you hear it more as they step away. Yeah. So so then as you've kind of stepped in to a little bit to uh, this Mormon LGBT community, mm-hmm. um, are you still not finding the bisexual space? And if so, um, is that frustrating? Um, not really. I believe people are out there and... Um... I mean, of course people are out there, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> I can't just be the only one. No. Um, I feel oh, like you the... are. Oh! <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes, especially when you're new into this. But right. um, no, I feel like there's more individuals. They don't necessarily call themselves bisexual. They more mm-hmm. refer to themselves as just generally queer or they have some same-sex attraction. Um, the term bisexual, I think, is a, maybe a little bit scarier for other individuals, which, mm. I, you know, that's totally up to them. But um, just for me, I feel like that fits what do you feel- my experience is. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you feel like that would be scarier for some people to, to identify as? What makes that um, scary versus a different kind of identification? Right. Well, I... I personally feel like, you know, bisexual, you know, you're not quite gay, you're not quite straight. And I think people really feel that from both communities, you know, they're like, you know, uh, maybe some more heteronormative people will say, well, you know, you're attract, you're attracted to the opposite sex, you know, just go along with that, ignore this other part of you. And a lot of times our LGBT community, um, you know, they say, um, you know, you are attracted to the same sex. Why don't you follow, you know, that path? And um, so when you're putting yourself out there as having two paths, it's not as accepted. And so saying you're generally queer or generally, you know, you have some same sex attraction, it maybe takes away that a little bit and gives you maybe a little bit more ambiguity. (laughs) (laughs) How interesting. So you feel like you don't, it can be easy to feel like you don't feel in, you fit in, sorry, you don't fit in one group. You don't fit in the other group. Right. Does it ever feel like no man's land? Yeah. And especially so with being Mormon and a part of the LGBT community, because again, you're too Mormon to be gay and you're too gay to be Mormon. (laughs) Not really. I mean, that's not the reality, but sometimes it does feel like that. And um, sometimes, you know, we hit, there's extremes everywhere and, you know, those extremes tell you that you can't have, um, opposing ideas or thoughts or lifestyles to what they believe in. And sometimes that's really hard to feel like you fit in somewhere. Yeah. Does it imagine. have, does it have that sense of like kind of sitting in a paradox? Cause we talk about that a little bit. Oh, okay, maybe a lot when we're in in kind of a uh, a community setting, because of of that dichotomy you sometimes see exists, and yet you feel like you're in the middle of it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I was actually talking with my husband um, about this a while ago when we were at dinner with a friend, um, and we were talking about it. And instead of calling it a paradox, we kind of called it this gray space. Um, where Mm -hmm. we exist in a spot where it's not necessarily following a hundred percent of the rules in either on either side and uh it's it's a weird spot to be in and it's really uncomfortable but at the same time you know from our experience it's it's the place where it helps people grow the most because they're able to start to understand both sides of the coin and um, maybe understand, um, you know, maybe this, you know, there's good parts here, there's bad parts here. And I'm going to try to, you know, take this knowledge that I've learned from both sides of it and hopefully maybe build something a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe that's a little, (laughs) maybe that's a little egotistical. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. My gosh, I think uh, that gives a lot of hope to people, honestly, because there's so many people in the church that for whatever reason, you know, they don't feel that they don't fit the norm. And yeah. so it, it's, I love talking to people who are in that grace space is what you call them, right? Yeah. That's beautiful. So 
So then my question would be with this gray space, if you knew that there were a lot of other members of the church who in their own ways lived in this gray space, would it make you feel like you weren't as alone or is it more specific to your bisexuality? I don't think it's very specific. I feel like um, a lot of our really close friends and just the people that I've really just connected to and maybe have had like just like natural like just chemistry with and we just I mean <laughs> this isn't very eloquent but we vibed <laughs> <laughs> people that I vibe with they uh they all kind of seem to be in this gray space and whether that's you know they're trying to figure out um maybe their path within the church just figuring out um you know, maybe, you know, some of some doctrine is hard for them to um, come to terms with, but they still love Jesus Christ and they love his gospel and they want to stay close to him. And so they're just trying to figure out what what that means for them. And I feel like um, just those people, I feel like all of us just being in the gray space, we just kind of have a mutual understanding that it's hard and it's messy, but, you know, we can still hold space for each other. Now. Has it been an easy road, a hard road, something in between for you, uh, staying in the church with um, your bisexuality? Um, not necessarily in regards to my sexuality. Um, I think being a part of the church, um, if you're someone who is trying to be proactive about it and learn about it and... Um, I guess study it out. I think it can be really hard for everybody, you know, once they start to learn um, maybe a little bit more of our history or um, as they start to learn other people's experiences within it that may not have been so positive. It's it's sometimes hard to reconcile these things. And I think that's more where I found myself in. Um, but the, at the end of the day, you know, I was faced with a choice. It's either, you know, leave the church and, um, you know, have whichever, you know, whatever comes with that or stay and hopefully try to affect more positive change within my community, you know, um, like, I don't know, like talking about LGBT issues within my ward setting and helping them maybe understand these individuals a little bit better and having, you know, more empathy and more um, just understanding that they're children of God and, you know, they want, you know, they want to be with their eternal family too, you know? Yeah. So do you really feel that there was like one moment where it was a choice or just built over time for that decision? I feel like it's a choice that has to be made all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes I felt really bad about that. You know, I was like, why, you know, why aren't I strong enough to just make my decision and stick with it? But I've realized, I think there's a lot of maturity in um, making a choice over and over again. I think, you know, if you want to compare it to a marriage of sorts, I think you have to recommit all the time to your spouse and to being loyal and kind and uplifting and you know all these other things that come within a marriage I think just um making that choice over and over again I think helps you in the long run to be you know stronger and more sure of yourself Hmm. uh what do you think Anjanette like maturity wise is that a good sign of maturity I absolutely believe so because like that's got to be the choice what it is for everybody whether it's staying in the church or staying in your marriage or uh, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, even, let's take the the heteronormative, you know, straight marriage space. Like, I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day, like, even in that space, like, you're never going to be attracted to your husband all the time, or you're never going to be attracted to your wife all the time. Like, that's completely unrealistic. And so you have to make that choice. Am I going to stay committed to this relationship when they're driving me nuts? Um, <laughs> and same thing perhaps in a different way with the church, I would think. Yeah. The The reason I ask this is because I, I just have this plane over in my head from my youth. And I'll, I'll admit, you know, I'm like I'm going towards my late 40s now. So the, the conversations that I had growing up may not be the ones now. 
but it's still this idea that when they talk to youth, it's like you make that decision once, you know, not to drink. And once you've made that decision, then you're good for the rest of your life. Yeah. You got to stick by it. Yeah. But I like that, that maybe more mature idea that sure, take these, take these, um, these, uh, commandments, these do's and don'ts, these gray spaces, and look at it for yourself and continually be recommitting uh, to it. Because as you grow and change, I feel like you need to recommit. Yeah. I've, when you're they, getting new information, new choices have to be made. Ooh, right. That's Ooh, quotable. that's good. That's quotable. That is. That was awesome. <laughs> yes. See, and I love this conversation here because you're you've been married five years. Uh, mm-hmm. Anjanette is single, and I've I've been married for a little over twenty seven years, and I really like I could find that to be a truth in my life that as my husband and I have grown into different people in decades, like recommitting to that has helped in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um. So, so Jen, real quick on that. Yeah. Like, how do you feel like recommitting to your, your relationship has been helpful for you? Well, um, in the last couple of years, I have done a hardcore recommitment. Uh, I found myself a couple of years ago to be in a, a place where I wasn't sure where I wanted things to go. Um, I was feeling a lot of pressure, a lot of doubt in our relationship. And it was really getting into therapy type place this last couple of years where um, my mentor person really helped me see like, where's your commitment and how can you, what places do you need to be recommitting? And I found That it wasn't that I was just unhappy in my marriage. It was that I was not recommitting to a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And it was really jumping on that bandwagon in lots of areas of my life that my life has changed course. And the feelings I have about people, relationships, and especially towards myself, have just so improved. Mm -hmm. And that's after, you know, that many years. So... I think it's wise being married five years to just see that as a foreseeable thing uh, for marriage. Yeah. I mean, one of the best things that we did for our marriage, um, right off the bat, I don't even know who told us, but they said, you know, before issues come up, they said, go to, go to marriage counseling (laughs) as soon as you're married. And we're like, well, that seems kind of weird. Like usually people go to marriage counseling, you know, after a while. Um, But we decided to do it anyways. It was like $10 a session through our college, you know, (laughs) like the student, (laughs) I don't know, the student therapists. And it was super awesome because we were able to just, um, I guess, get to know each other better through that experience and, um, you know, learn how to have productive um, disagreements and, (laughs) how to treat each other with respect. I feel like in a lot of ways, um, I mean, I got married when I was 19. So <laughs> I was an I. actual wow. teenager. And cool. I feel like in a lot of ways, I honestly just didn't know how to treat a person with as much respect as they deserve, <laughs> which sounds dumb. But I mean, yeah, I was a selfish little teenager. So <laughs> I I had to learn those things. And um, I guess within that too, we did talk about, you know, the committal part of it and just how, you know, as these things come up, you know, recommitment is always, um, I guess, I don't know, the outcome of your, I don't know, the outcome of your conversations. So, right. I think you are wiser than I was at 19 because nobody suggested that to me. <laughs> I think I could have fully benefited from it. So I think everyone can. That's like, uh, totally. That's what I, I tell everybody now. I'm like, if you're, you're getting married, 
I was like, well, start saving money and go to therapy. (laughs) That deserves a clap. (laughs) All right. Okay. So as we've been talking here about marriage, there are a couple questions that are coming to mind. One (laughs) is that your husband, Ben, is gay. He is. And so for you, though, being bisexual, Mm-hmm. Um, what was that that place like for you as you were dating? I mean, I don't know. Have you dated women? Have you like explored that place or not? And maybe your reasons why? Yeah. Um. So I before I met my husband, I'd kind of looked into it a little bit. Um, and there was this girl that I had met, and we became fairly close. Um, we thought about dating each other. Um, but we we moved away from each other. Um, and so that didn't really go anywhere. And pretty soon after I met my husband and didn't date anyone else after that, but, um, he, I kind of had an inkling that he was gay. (laughs) Um, I mean, you know, people can tell when they're alike. And, um, he, he told me, uh, one day when things were getting a little bit serious, we, you know, we had been dating for a minute, but hadn't quite committed to, you know, getting engaged. And so he told me um, that he was gay and he wanted to tell me that before um, before we had made any major commitments. Just that way I had full freedom of choice on if this was something I wanted to pursue because, you know, it um, it comes with unique challenges. And, you know, it. I don't think a lot of people are cut out for that. Um, I, I don't think it's the journey for everybody, but for me, um, and the type of person I knew Benj was, I knew it was something I wanted to pursue. And, um, so when he said, he said, I'm gay. And I said, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And he was pretty floored. Um, he was, yeah. I mean, as, as a bisexual person, I mean, it's really easy to pass it straight. Um, Mm, true. I... I feel like I'm maybe on the girlier end of things, but kind of not. I don't know. And so for him, that it was just a shock. And, um, you know, I, I kind of told him, I was like, hey, like, yeah, like I'm bisexual. And he was like, hey, great. Um, and I honestly, I had kind of decided, like, if I was going to get married to somebody, um, I wanted to get married to a man. I didn't necessarily want to get married to a woman. Um but again, had considered dating women. Um, and I, I just decided at some point I I was really scared about what others thought of me. And so I decided I wasn't ever going to tell anybody that I was bisexual because, you know, I'm still attracted to this person that I'm marrying. So it must just not be a big deal. Um, but since he had come out, I told him <laughs> and, um, you know, into our marriage, I would say it was a little bit after a year, we kind of decided we were at a point where we we're just so lonely in our LGBT experience. We didn't know very many people who, um, were in mixed orientation marriages. I mean, the only people we had heard about, we read about online and they were maybe a little more I guess, quote unquote, famous couples, <laughs> famous LDS <laughs> couples, um, which I'm sure we all know about, but I won't mention. Um, anyways, so yeah, we we looked into that a little bit more and we realized like having a community is what was really going to heal that part of us that just felt so lonely and maybe unwanted by other people. And um, I don't know, came into North Star and, you know, the rest is history. But <laughs> so when it comes to your decision to that you were saying that you wanted to marry a man, mm-hmm. what played into that for you? Was it because I know people out there are going to be like, well, it's because she was raised a member of the church. And <laughs> of course, that's what you do. But I, I know for myself, it's can be a little more involved. Yeah. Um, I think originally the idea, I mean, obviously, I was influenced by being raised a member of the church, you know, I was always going through, 
you know, Sunday school and my young women's classes. And we always talked about temple marriages and stuff like that. And that was just always something that was just kind of expected that everyone would do. And, um, I feel like as time went on, I realized I wanted to have kids when I was younger. I wasn't really all about kids. (laughs) I didn't like kids. (laughs) I thought they were terrible. And Hello, baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I love kids now, but back then I just thought kids were the worst thing in the whole world. But, you know, as I got older and, you know, marriage was starting to become more of a reality for me, um, I decided I wanted kids. And, you know, of course, you can pursue kids with a same-sex partner. Um, yes. That's a lot more available these days than I, I ever before, honestly. Right. Um, but you know, it still comes with its challenges. And um, I guess after all that, and well, I should mention at the time that I was getting married, I feel like, so everyone has this scale, bisexual people joke about their scale of how much they're attracted to men or women. And Mm. most people, it's not a 50-50 thing. And for me back then, my scale was much more heavily tipped towards being attracted towards men And so I think that played a lot into that. Um, Since then, I'm not, I feel like I tip more heavily towards women. Um, Mm. And so, you know, had I been considering my choice, you know, five or 10 years later down the road, that might have, you know, heavily influenced that. But again, that's tricky because it is an ever-changing thing. And I don't know. That's really interesting because I think anybody who's just in the beginning of learning about these issues just assumes that it's, it's one or the other, or, you know, if it's at 25% here and 75% here, it it's static and it never changes. So I think that's really interesting that it tends to be a moving kind of fluid thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. I always told, I've told Ben for forever, but I was like, if you die or we separate or I mean, anything else happens. I was like, Honestly, you're the last guy that I will ever be with in my whole life. I'm I'm going <laughs> to probably go date some women <laughs> after that. And he's like, okay, like, that's fair. Okay, that is so interesting. That is so interesting. Yeah. That you, that at the time you married him, you definitely felt more attractions to men. So mm-hmm. hence you married him. And yet there's this place in you that you believe that you would date women later. Yeah. How do you, how do you sit in the, sit in that? Cause that sounds so like <laughs> contradictory. Con- a little contradictory, not going to yeah. lie on that one. Um, um, because I can tell you kind of the SSA women's community yeah. Um, it is a conversation that we talk about all the time because mm-hmm. so many, uh, I don't know if people know this, but they're in the North star community for, uh, SSA women. There are way more SSA women married to men than there are single women. Oh, and, and we talk about sometimes why that is. Yeah, but but it's interesting that when people have been married for a while to hear like, oh, if my husband died, I don't know if I could marry a man. I don't know (laughs) if I could do it again. Like that is a topic. So it's interesting to me that for you, because of that slide, that it's the same for you. Like what 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 brings that thought to you of of why of why not? I mean, I couldn't. I don't know. I couldn't really tell you. (laughs) It's just kind of how I feel these days. And I mean, but when it comes down to it, like I married Benj for the type of person he was. It wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily because he was a man and he was going to have this masculine influence in my life. And he was going to be this big old macho protector type of Mm -hmm. figure. Um, That's not why I married him at all. His qualities are that I fell in love with. I feel like are are genderless, you know, how kind Mm. he is, how hardworking he is, how creative he is, how smart he is, all these other things. And I feel like, um, you know, I feel like if, if he ever died and I decided to get out there again, (laughs) I don't know. And this is super hypothetical and kind of morbid to talk about, but I, 
you know, I would honestly look for those qualities in a person and mm. um, it wouldn't necessarily be about, you know, whether they were feminine or masculine or, you know. It's about that, those other. qualities that you're searching for. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe me saying, you know, I'm going to marry a woman if he dies. Maybe that's a little more of a joke right now. I think okay. in reality, in right. reality, I think I'd just be looking for a person who matched all those qualities that I love and I feel like compliment me and my personality. Hmm. Interesting. So do you feel like, um, do you have any idea of why when you were, uh, a few years ago, more attracted to men in that space. And now you're, you're leaning a little bit towards the, the feminine space. Do you have any idea what influences that? Or is that still kind of a mystery for you? Um, I mean, I feel like a little bit when it comes to women, um, and I've kind of talked about before in my past, um, my past, uh, things that I've done with North star. Um, I have had a lot of really complicated female relationships in my life. Um, mm. And women, to me, growing up for a really long time, were just um, a really scary, negative thing. And I, so I feel like that's why I feel like I've always naturally gotten along better with men versus women. Um, mm. I hate being that girl being like, <laughs> I only hang out with the boys, but, um, <laughs> uh, I'm not that girl. Um, no, but I, I've always just naturally gotten along much better with men and I want to be with my best friends. You know, I, that's who I'm attracted to, but since healing my relationship surrounding the idea of women and recognizing the value and worth of women, I feel like that's definitely swayed my attraction towards women because it's not just a scary hands-off thing to me anymore hmm. interesting because i would say as an ssa woman that growing up i i definitely was the one wanting to hang out with all the boys and mm -hmm. and had a good place with that but the 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 connections the real connections came from women yeah. And so I think there's a place in me, not not to say that, you know, all of environments is what has made me gay. I'm not <laughs> saying that whatsoever. But I think that as my sexuality developed, it's way more attracted to women because I know I can feel those connections. And yeah. as I say, women, we're always falling in love with our best friend. Yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really know that was possible for a long time in my life. Right. Okay, interesting. Um, so one of the other aspects here that I'm curious about is, uh, as we've kind of talked a little bit about the gray spaces, mm -hmm. um, for you, as you've like been more open talking about this, like you said, have there been great experiences you've had with people some not great ones <laughs> and and i'm specifying like in a church kind of environment because you said you talk more about it at church right um that's a really awesome question <laughs> i feel like um i feel like it's been pretty split honestly um as is everything else in my life okay. but um <laughs> Sorry, that was a great it's joke. just it's a reoccurring theme it's just never ending it's fine um I love that. <sighs> no, but I, it was interesting because I actually, so after my husband and I um, had had that dinner with that friend, I actually posted about that idea on my Facebook page. And I'm not really one to get very political or anything on my Facebook page. I like to have good conversations with people. So I put it out there. Um, and I'm friends with a lot of friends and family and people from my ward. And the people that were mostly commenting on it were family and people from my ward. And um, it was our stake, or yeah, he's our high our ward high councilman or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he commented on it and he just totally didn't get this idea. He was saying, 
you know, the only identity that we should be worried about within the church is being a son or daughter of Jesus Christ. And I said, well, I, you know, I do agree with that. Like that, that is our most important identity. But within the church of Jesus Christ, we do have, you know, these subgroups that help us find connection and belonging with our brothers and sisters. And, you know, being a part of the LGBT community um, is really a strength to a lot of people. And there was some back and forth and a family member ended up getting involved in this uh, conversation. And um, she, she left the church a while ago and um, she, she feels a lot of hurt from the church and um, a lot of it, you know, I can totally empathize with and I completely, you know, I get it's super valid. Um, and she was, she was attacking him and, you know, telling him how bad of a person he was, that he wasn't, you know, just supportive of this idea and that he was maybe being dismissive of the LGBT community. And I mean, just in my eyes, um, well, and my, my post had talked about kind of this extremity that I want to avoid in my life because I don't feel like that's where truth is found. I don't feel like you know, I don't feel like being far right or far left is the answer because <laughs> everyone has truth and everyone has, you know, everyone has not lies. I don't know. Not truth. <laughs> um, well, well, let me step in for a second. To me, sometimes I feel like it's the rules of a court case, right? You have a right. prosecutor and a defender. They are both going to have very vastly a kind of extremes and yet right. we all know the truth has got to be somewhere there in the middle right so yes. i always like kind of think about it that way maybe not yeah. lies but the tr bigger truth the, the closer right. truth is in the yes middle. yes exactly thank you and you know i was just seeing these you know these two people talking back and forth and i just saw these extremities just really come to light and it made me it made me so sad because I was like, you're, you're proving my point that, you know, all this contention and, um, I don't know, like misunderstanding lies in, in these extremities. And, um, you know, I was able to talk to both of them and, you know, understand where they were coming from a little bit better. And it wasn't as extreme as they had originally portrayed themselves to be, but, um, yeah, there's definitely, you know, two strong sides to it. And there's, there's people who really understand that space and some people who really don't. And, um, you know, that, that's okay. And I just kind of try to take people where they're at, you know, I can't, I can't force them to learn faster. Um, and I can't force them to understand things the way I do because they haven't lived the same experiences I have. And, right. um, I think I just have to live with the assumption that people are trying their best and they're doing things with good intentions. Yeah. Well, I like that as an outlook in life, believing that people are coming at you all the time with good intentions, whether mm -hmm. that plays out well or not, it, their heart is with good intentions. Yeah. Do you find, I know some people in the, in the LGBT community, when it comes to church, uh, a lot of them are when they come out, they talk to bishops and, you know, try hoping to get some type of help. Was there any time where you felt like you needed that? Uh, yeah. So um, when my it was around the time that my husband and I actually it was before my husband and I had come out publicly. Um, we had had a conversation with our bishop and told him you know, kind of a little bit of our story. And, um, he did not receive it very well. Um, we were released from our callings as primary teachers because oh, he, wow. he didn't feel comfortable having LGBT members as teachers. And I loved that calling and I love those kids and I still do to this day, but, of course. um, and our temple recommends were taken away. Oh my wow. gosh. And that was really hurtful and really hard for us. And I think that's when I first started 
I guess my faith was shaken a little bit. I think that was the first time I was really like, oh my gosh, like, is is this the true church? Because I can't believe that something like this with a person who's called of God to lead us would do something like that. Um, and so I had to examine that. And, you know, I had to come to the conclusion that people are flawed and people have experience who, experiences who make them who they are. And he had shared with us that he had had really negative experiences with people within the LGBT community. And it made me understand him a little bit where he was coming from. And, um, you know, there's there's a couple of trans youth in our ward as well who mm-hmm. also had really negative experiences with him, um, them and their families. And um, there was just a lot of pain within our ward family at the time. Um, and that bishop ended up moving and we got a new bishop. And we all kind of shared these experiences with our new bishop. And we're like, hey, like this, these experiences were really hard and we need to change something because you know, people aren't feeling Christ's love when they come to church here. And he's, he's been incredible, um, and really tried to listen to us. And I feel like we've been able to have so many more, um, conversations to work towards the goal of, I don't know, loving each other as Christ would. And I don't know, that makes me really happy and hopeful. (laughs) That experience like hurts my heart. Me I'll too. just let you know, Lexi, like, <laughs> it, unfortunately, it's not uncommon in no. the LGBT um, Mormon community. Not, a, it, I wish it was. Uh, yeah. I feel fortunate that I didn't end up with that experience because when I was in that vulnerable place, I don't know how, like, it made me doubt things. It made me if somebody had been just in a negative light and just kind of like tossed me to the side, I might have made very different decisions. Um, However, for me, like maybe we can move from bishops to relief societies. Mm -hmm. So as women, the three of Mm -hmm. us are part of the, the biggest women's organization in the world, relief society. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the first people I came out to uh, as leaders were my Relief Society presidents. I tell people I have that I have the habit now that as a new one is called, I set up a meeting to talk to them specifically. If mm-hmm. they have questions, if they want to understand how I'm more comfortable with visiting teaching or anything like that. Um, and I've found such great a great landing space with those women. Have yeah. you come out to your Relief Society president specifically or or I know because there's this place where you, you know, in that bisexual realm, it's like <laughs> I'm passable because, yes, when you came to the conference, mm-hmm. you came in with the SSA women as we have uh, uh, some fun on Friday and Saturday nights during the conference. And mm-hmm. you're there in a dress and a hat and your bright red lipstick looking fantastic. <laughs> and all the <laughs> most of the SSA women are trying not to wear their cargo pants, but they do. And their tennis <laughs> shoes and a t-shirt. Just, you know, it's just handy. laying it out there, ladies. I know. The pockets. The pockets. It's all about the pockets for so many of us. Honestly, you guys are winning. My dress didn't have any pockets, so. Oh. Dresses need so to have pockets. I'm do. just saying. Uh, that would solve all the problems in the world. See, you two can understand this with each other. I want my dresses <laughs> not to have pockets because I'm trying to get away from pockets. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so what has that experience been like for you on the women's leadership side of things? Right. Um, so our word is really unique in the way that it's really transient. Um, and so our word actually has about a 50% turnover every six months. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, um, so getting to know our ward members is really hard. Um, you know, there's some veterans who own homes in our neighborhood boundaries who've been here, you know, 20 plus years. Um, but most of us rent and most of us move away really quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm probably considered, I am considered one of the old people at this point. (laughs) I've only been there five years, (laughs) Okay. but, uh, 
so yeah, I, I didn't really know a lot of our women's leadership for a long time. Um, but our current Relief Society president, um, she's really awesome. Um, she, she's never been married and she felt really overwhelmed becoming the Relief Society president. She felt like she was underqualified. She felt like she couldn't maybe, um, relate to a lot of these women. Mm. Um, because a lot of the issues that are talked about within Relief Society do surround motherhood and being a wife and stuff like that. And anyways, she's been absolutely wonderful, but I was called as, um, a ministering sister to a woman in our ward who has a trans son. Mm. And, uh, when the Relief Society president was telling me about this and she said, you know, they, they have a trans child. Um, you know, I just want you to be aware kind of of the situation. Um, and I said, you know, that's great. I was like, I'm a part of the LGBT community as well. So, you know, hopefully we can find some common ground there. And I was able to minister to the sister and we really connected on a lot of things. And, um, she had stepped away from the church a little bit, um, largely in part to our previous bishop who had treated their family pretty poorly. Um, and it was really heartbreaking, but we were able to find some comfort in each other's experiences and kind of commiserate a little bit together, but also come up with a plan for how to change things and make things better. And so she came back to the Relief Society president and she said, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much for putting Lexi as my ministering sister. Like I haven't felt welcome in our ward in a long time. And that made me feel so good because I didn't feel like I was doing anything special. I just was talking to her. And anyways, that was really awesome. And I really felt um, like our Relief Society president had really led from a place of inspiration on that because she, she had no idea about me and no idea what experiences I had had in my life. So she's amazing. And she continues to be, I, I'm right now the activities chairman for our ward. And I wanted to get a fifth Sunday lesson going for our ward about, um, how to minister to our, our LGBT brothers and sisters, um, specifically our trans LGBT brothers and sisters, because our ward does uniquely deal with it a little more publicly than most words. Um, and she's just been my biggest supporter in all that, you know, she's always stood up for me in all the ward councils. And anyways, I appreciate her. She's so awesome. (laughs) Uh, that, That makes my heart happy to hear that. Yeah. So then overall, this gray space you find yourself in, it feels like from this conversation that you're finding a way to flourish. Absolutely. Uh, in your church community, in an LGBT community, and the two worlds aren't at extreme ends mm-hmm. anymore. Where Not, they could be. Yeah. <laughs> where they could be yeah. for some people. Well, I think that is a fantastic way to have an existence because I know for me as an SSA woman, a lot of times um, the way I experience that, that connection is I feel like the LGBT community is by and large saying, why don't you just marry a woman and not have to go through struggles and all of this while the church community is like, no, that is the place that you can't go and struggle and and feel all of those negative things. That's better for you than doing something different. And mm-hmm. I, I, it puts me in a gray space because I am married to a man. And I've had people at church make somewhat comment saying, you know, why are you still married to a man? Like you're at church. Why? <laughs> All right. You can say that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but the LGBT community, sometimes I feel is saying the same thing to me. Why are you still married to a man? And, yeah. uh, so I understand where I feel the same. I feel like I live in gray 
And mm-hmm. I, it took time for me to make peace with it. And I'm so glad that you're doing that so, so early in it all. Yeah, I, I'm glad too. <laughs> any, any final questions, Anjanette, that you have? I mean, I always have more questions, but we're running out of time. So yes. um, my final question is, you know, what is holding you to the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, because you've been through so much and you will be through so much more. And why are you still here? I think when it comes down to it, um, I'm in it because I want to be with my family forever. You know, I want to be with Benj and our baby and, you know, all of our other family members. I want to be with them forever. And I, you know, I found such a unique community within our church. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, Utah's a bubble. There's no diversity there, (laughs) you know, on and on and on. And to a certain degree, they're correct. But I feel like I found a lot of unique individuals who I've really just grown really close to. And I love having this sense of community and, um, I guess more of a kinship with my neighbors and, um, being able to give, be given a chance to serve, people, you know, like my ministering sister. I feel like those are the life-giving things and that's why I choose to stay. That's beautiful. The life-giving things. I couldn't have said it better. Well, Lexi, thank you so much for uh, having these conversations and letting us step into your life for a little bit and understand this place you find yourself in, in um, your bisexuality and being married to your husband and and all that life has uh, given you, and now you're you're serving and and doing your part to to <laughs> be in these communities so beautifully. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, and uh, that's a wrap then for today. And we appreciate all that you have helped us understand and see. Anjanette, anything? Any other big questions? Because I really do like that as a last question. Um, one question that I have is, you know, being in the bisexual space in the church, the, the, the mindset is typically like, well, it's a good thing you're attracted to men because (laughs) you you can just get to choose like, like being with a man and have your eternal family. And I imagine that while there's, you know, a shred of truth in that, that's got to be a really hard thing to hear from time to time. I would love to understand more why that might be a painful thing to say to somebody who lives in that bisexual space. Yeah, that's, that is a good question. Um, you know, there have been some people who've said that to me, you know, what's the purpose of coming out? You know, you are married to a man, you're attracted to him, you know, your bisexuality shouldn't affect your life Mm -hmm. and you should hide that part away from you. And I, I bought into that for a really long time. Hence why, you know, I never really wanted to come out to anybody. Um, but I feel like acknowledging the other part of myself, which is attracted to the same sex. Um, I feel like I've just begun to embrace myself. Um, and having a community who understands me a little bit better. You know, even if I don't know that many bisexual people... The SSA women, to a degree, can still understand me maybe a little bit more than somebody who's straight, who's only experienced, you know, attraction to the opposite gender. But, um, so yeah, so when people say something like that, I really feel like they're just saying, you know, hide hide away a part of yourself that, you know, makes me uncomfortable. And I I think that's silly. I I think it's silly, but, you know, people are always going to say it and you can choose to, you know, pay attention to that and let it get to you or you can just let it go and just know, you know, they they just don't quite get it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you saying that in a way that you feel the SSA women can kind of understand because I hope that really comes across to you. Yeah, it does. And it's fun to hang out with. It's fun to hang out with the group. <laughs> Good. I'm glad we try. Can I ask one more question? I'm just, again, I'm, I'm curious to know your experience, Lexi. 
from yeah. from the LGBTQ space, do you feel uh, a different kind of pressure where because you're not fully same sex attracted to women that that's a difficult space where you from the LGBT community, they say to you, well, why don't you just be with a woman? You know, like, is it a, is it the same thing from a different direction as what we just talked about? Um, yes, I feel like um, the LGBTQ community doesn't really accept you as being bisexual unless you have fully explored um, your sexuality with the same sex, meaning you dated a person, um, you know, you may have had intimacy with them or married, you know, whatever. Um, So unless you've like fully immersed yourself into that, um, a lot of people don't necessarily consider you LG or you know lgbt or bisexual they may say you're you're just bi-curious <laughs> and so and, they they change the the dial they change the vocabulary there on yeah you. yeah interesting okay because yeah, see it's hard for the ssa women i find by and large so many of them like i said are in our community in the north star community are married to men but mm-hmm. a lot of them have not had actual experiences with women and yet when they come out as gay or ssa i found by and large most people make the assumption oh you've had sex with a woman um whoa 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 in the mormon community maybe outside uh in in the world but in the Mm -hmm. mormon community by and large they're just saying i'm so much more sexually attracted to women that's the direction i want to have relationships in but yeah. not necessarily acted because the gospel keeps them from it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I just think it's a, an interesting thing when you tell people yeah. and they're well. Experience. There's always jokes. There's always jokes about people, especially women, like experimenting in college. And yes. Like, oh yeah, everyone <laughs> has like their lesbian phase yeah, for right. a sec or mm-hmm. whatever, and. I feel like that does hurt the bisexual community a little bit um, because when you've just had limited experience in that realm, you know, it's easy to pass off as a phase or just something you were doing for fun. So, right. In what way is that painful? Like I, I, I can imagine that would be really painful, but I want to understand why. Help me understand more. I mean, it makes it it makes you almost feel like people feel like you're being untruthful with them um like you're trying to pretend to be something you're not maybe you're trying to gain attention or um i don't know try to be a part of like an exclusive club that you're not actually a part of um and i don't know that's just kind of the feelings i've gotten from stuff like that i just I feel like people maybe see me that way. And maybe that's a little bit insecurity, you know, playing into that. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's just that's just how I've seen it. Is it a similar space where um, the LGBT community is asking you to hide away a very special part of yourself because they're only accepting of one part of yourself or your experience? Um, good question. That's hard. <clears throat> mm, I, I can't say that I can think of anything specifically that correlates with that. I mean, yeah, the only the only part of it, you know, was kind of what we were talking about before. Like, mm-hmm. they expect you to have fully dated both sexes mm. equally. I, get, I don't know. Different Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, just, I, I can see that coming from both sides. And I wanted to know your experience. And and that makes sense that they would have expected you to fully have explored everything. And, and uh, I could see where, again, where that would be a difficult conversation to have or difficult to be, to feel like you're being understood. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, like (laughs) I was too young to have experienced anything truly. (laughs) I I was 19 when I was 19 when I got married. So I totally uh, can vibe with you. I tell everybody, I was like, don't get married when you're 19. Like, I don't regret it, but like, (laughs) (laughs) make chill out. (laughs) Maybe get married when you're like 30. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. 
<laughs> well, I know something that we that I've been talking a bit about recently is just that in the SSA women's community, when it comes to marriages, like we were talking that there's been all of that kind of negative talk about marriage. Yeah. And, and but a lot of the women who seem to like be solid in in the church, per se, and in their LGBT kind of identity mm -hmm. are women who at one point were actively dating and with women mm -hmm. and they made the choice to come back to church. They made the choice to marry a man. They've made yeah. the choice to have kids. And it's just so interesting to me because um, there's something said to the word choice. And I liked how you said that you made these choices because in some spots, it was, uh, to me, 100% about the choice. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like, why are you, like, I get that you're, like, attracted to Benj because, you know, you are attracted to men. But they're like, you know, why are you with him? Like, he's gay. And I was like, well, I he's my favorite person in the whole world. Like, <laughs> why why wouldn't I be with him? You know, like. I've never gotten along better with anybody in my entire life. You know, no one's, I've never been able to work with somebody as well as I work with him and um, have somebody understand me the way he does. And I, you know, I, I'm sure he feels the same. <laughs> I, I hope he feels right. the same. Um, <laughs> but I tell people, I was like, he's, he's an easy choice. You know, mm -hmm. it's not. I don't feel right. like I'm struggling with that. But at the same time, I really do have empathy for those who do struggle a lot right. within their marriages. And it's not an easy choice for them to mm -hmm. stay or um, or to enter into, you know, a uh, opposite sex marriage or relationship. Um, mm -hmm. That's really scary and really hard for some people. And I never want them to feel like they're unseen <laughs> but you know yeah Benj has always been the easiest choice and I I'm just really grateful for him all the time and so now I am so curious to talk to have a conversation with Benj in my head about he's how, so well, much about, better to talk to well, than no, I am about, <laughs> about his experience as a gay man saying he's married to a bisexual woman mm -hmm. like I feel like the SSA women are like, you're bisexual, married to a man. Well, a lot of the SSA women are, are SSA, but married to a man. So it's like, yeah, totally get you. Like, all right. But from a gay man's perspective of I married a bisexual woman, I just think that's an, an like, does his community feel a little differently than ours? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm going to ask I'd, you I'd, to the conference. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd want to know that. I don't know. I feel like a, a lot of times, like, I don't know, if you're comparing which of our sexualities influence our marriage the most, it's probably his versus mine. Because, mm -hmm. again, I do and have always had that natural attraction to men. Mm -hmm. And that's never been a weird thing for me. Mm -hmm. That's never been a choice you know it's never been something you know that I've had to look past in my marriage right. um right but you know so it, his sexuality definitely does come into play a little bit more than mine um but I don't know I feel like I don't know I feel like it works out really well for us being both a part of the community just we right. just get each other and there's no shame in talking about these issues and there's no embarrassment and saying you know oh when I was younger I had a crush on this you know <laughs> on this person and I was totally weird and super gay and no one knew it and we just laugh because we just totally get each other and right. it's not weird right no, see I'm awesome. I like in the, I've been part of this North Star community for almost a decade now I, I've been out to myself a little over a decade now nice. and it's been interesting because I would say that when I've talked to the straight spouses, straight female spouses of SS, of, of a gay men, mm -hmm. they have this place where they're like, I married my best friend. 
And usually yeah. when the husband comes out, the wife is like on board to like get into a community and help him. And they, a lot of times they go into it together. Mm -hmm. Hence why I think we have a pretty good straight spouse like group. Yeah. Pretty, pretty supportive. Pretty supportive. But the SSA women married to straight men, the straight men are like, whatever, that's your thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and so they don't enter the community. So I think that's interesting for you to have that environment in your marriage where it's something that you both are, don't care talking about is something that you, you know, want to give the support where you can. And it's something that it's, you're doing together where yeah. I think that is the more interesting aspect because <laughs> the gay men and their straight wives, the gay man and his bisexual wife, the, but the SSA women with their straight husbands, they're just straight men who are like, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like it's just so much more natural slash acceptable for women to have community, but men just don't. Uh-huh, 100%. Yeah, just by and they don't want to talk about their problems with other people. They just want to deal with it on their own, and they don't want anyone to know anything about their lives. North Star for so long has been reaching out to the SSA women and been like, <laughs> do your husbands need something? And we're like, <laughs> we keep know. asking, but they're just like, uh, no. For Even one of my good friends for a while had never met my husband. She'd heard him like in the background as we were talking, but she's like, she finally got to meet him and she was just excited to like meet my man. And <laughs> cause she's just like, he exists, right? Yes. My husband yeah. exists. He drives up to me with two conference a lot of times and, but does his own thing and will come maybe if I'm doing a class or something and I invite him, but most of the time, like he, he doesn't even, he doesn't even show up. However, yeah. he, because of our drive, we would drive and usually if any women are shooting voices of hope videos, I would come to support them. So mm -hmm. all the people who showed the, who were shooting voices of hope videos knew him. He, <laughs> he knows Ty, he knows like some of those guys, Jeff case and stuff, because we've seen yeah. them so many times. Um, but uh, for him, North star is a weird space because whenever he walks in, like every guy he meets, once they're like, yes, this is my husband. They give him a hug and he doesn't know who they are. And he's <laughs> like, leave me alone. What? Like, this is a weird space. I hug my, yeah. my son, my dad, my, uh, my brother-in-law. And he's like, that's his list. Um, <laughs> so it, it was, I think it can be an overwhelming environment for him and for a lot of the straight men. So yeah. Mm. I'm glad that you I do. I do feel super lucky to have support in that way. And I I hope he feels equally as supported. Right. Well, then it'll be so great to see you at conference and to be able to see Benji and ask him that question and uh, uh, see how he feels about his community and their acceptance of the decision that <laughs> he made uh, yeah. in life. So awesome. Alrighty. Well, uh, Alrighty, then awesome. we will see, talk to you soon and see you in June. See Sounds you in great. June. Alrighty. See ya. Bye.